Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to VMB, the voice of Manhattan business brought to you by the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. I'm your host, Bruce Hurwitz. You can find me on the web at hsstaffing.com. I hope everyone will be able to join me this coming Wednesday at noon when my guest will be Bruce Siegel from Marketing Sense. We will be discussing how LinkedIn can help small businesses. To learn about all future shows, please visit our website, www.thevoiceofmanhattanbusiness.com. And please remember to visit the events page on the Chamber's website, www.manhattancc.org, to learn about upcoming events on the Chamber's calendar. I am delighted to be joined today by Ezdrubal Hernandez from Sudakia Group, LLC. We will be discussing Spanish language and immigration in the U.S. Please remember, the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. If you have any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 805-243-1301. That number again, 805-243-1301. And dial 1 so I know you have a question. Asdrubo, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Bruce. Um, how are you on this beautiful day? <laughs> yeah, I will, as I said before we uh, went live, it's a pity we're not outside enjoying the weather. <laughs> but let's uh, provide our listeners with a good half hour of information and enjoyment, and let's begin with your telling us about yourself and your company. Sure. Uh well, um, I am uh, originally from Venezuela. Um, live all my life there, uh, but I have lived like a third of my life here in the U.S. Back and forth. I came for school, uh, bachelor's, lived in New Orleans, went back, and then I came to New York to do a publishing master's at Pace. And after that, I decide uh, to to start my startup business, uh, Sudakia, and basically we we are a group focused on on offering a products and services, outstanding products and services in Spanish at an affordable price. And we got like two units, uh, Sudakia Editores, which is a publishing house of books in Spanish, and Sudakia Publishing Services, where we offer translation services from English to Spanish, or proofreading, content creation in Spanish, uh, even uh, help people with publishing projects at any stage of the project. Um, well, thank you. <laughs> no, no, finish if you have something you wanted to no, no. add on. Um, okay. That's it. <laughs> so tell us. What is the size of the Spanish-speaking community in New York City, and where do these people come from? Sure. Um, uh, well, uh, I think the population of the Hispanic-speaking in the New York area is around 2.3 million persons, uh, well, people. Um, and obviously, it's kind of obviously that the two most uh, 
the two most uh, present groups are uh, Puerto Ricans and Dominicans. Um, Puerto Ricans represent 33% of that population, and the Dominicans are uh, 25%. Then you got the Mexicans with 30 uh, with 13%, and the left 29% are people from somewhere somewhere else in Latin America um uh, being the most uh, the most important groups being uh, Peruvians, Colombians, Salvadorians and Ecuadorians. No and, Spanish? Hmm? Uh Spanish is in it's not that high. Uh, oh, okay. The these are the more like relevant groups Mm-hmm. from the whole Hispanic population. Let me just ask you a question about nomenclature. What's the proper term? Is it Hispanic or Latino? Well, th- there are a lot of uh, debates about that. I, I really consider that you can use both, but um, I read once that Hispanic is used for people uh, who are third generation, uh, first generation? So basically, the immigrants from Latin American countries. So I will be a Hispanic according to this definition. And then the Latinos are second generation and people uh, that's born in the U.S. and that in some it's in some way a culture. A culture uh, has begun the process of acculturating the American culture as well. So um, that's that's something uh, I read. On, but currently, I think you know Latino. Um, it's also a way to refer to it, or Hispanics. I don't. I don't see much difference. Um, I think Hispanic Latino. If you if you're a little picky, could mean that you're from Latin America too, and Hispanics will include Spanish people, um, which is not including Latin people. But in other, <laughs> it's kind of complex because also when you mention Latin America, you are referring to Brazil, and they don't speak Spanish; they speak Portuguese over there, and so you know it's a huge debate and it's not that clear the meaning of one or the other I think I ask because you know in this country political correctness you never know what's right to say and what's wrong to say so I just wanted to clarify that yeah now, is yes, there I, a think, I think it's better just to say Hispanics um, okay. yeah right. is there a difference in the culture of Spanish speakers depending on their country of origin. Yes. Um, going back to the definitions, when you talk about Latino, you, you think about a huge mass of people that speak Spanish. Um, that's true and not true because um, each country has its own traditions and difference. Even though everybody comes from, from you know, has a Spanish heritage. Also, they they suffer different other uh, other um, 
you know, influences in order to, you know, build their nationality, uh, national uh, identity. So, for example, um, Argentinians uh, has a lot of influence of Italian. If you go to Buenos Aires and open the yellow pages, you will see that around 75% of their last names are Italians. So uh, that's important to, to have it in uh, present, you know. In the case of Venezuela, uh, we had a lot of influence of um, Italians, Portuguese, also Lebanese people, Chinese. Um, there's a lot of people from all over. Venezuela was a, a country in, in the middle of uh, 20th century that received people from everywhere. So You also need to have in mind that uh, same thing that happened in the U.S. You, you had uh, the natives from those lands who live there, which in Latin America there's a bunch of tribes, and they had their own languages, especially when you refer to to the Andean countries. Um, you got the Quechuas and, and the Aymaras, and they they got their own languages. You can find in Bolivia people who only speak uh, Aymara or Quechua and doesn't speak Spanish at all. Um, so there it is difference. Like Mm -hmm. It sounds like it's analogous to the dialects in China or India. Yes, it's 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 like that in and and that that that's something that also influenced the identity of the countries and also generated the social clashes and all that, you know, like but yeah, there are, there are differences a lot um also the the environment around each people, I mean, each nationality influ influence the way they eat, uh, what they eat, or how they see the world, even though they speak the same languages. It's very interesting because um, we actually published a book uh, from uh, Argentina author, um, and it basically compares, it's a, it's a fiction story, but it's like uh, the main character goes to live, it's an Argentinian who goes to live to to Mexico City. Basically, he starts comparing um, the way Mexicans say things or refer to anything and what actually that will mean in Argentina. <laughs> so, um, yeah, sort of like Americans and Brits. Yes, the British yes, have a word exactly the same. The exactly the same. Like a trolley the word in the U.S. is, meaning. yeah, like a trolley in the U.S. is not the same that a trolley for Brits or Australians. Yeah. <laughs> it's completely different. So same thing happens, and that makes uh, Spanish to have more than 22 different dialects in Latin America because each country could share some words, especially if you are right next to the other. You could share some expressions and words, but then you got your own expressions and word, and you got your own food, and you got your own stuff. You know, like, um, like let's say because of 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 the geographical conditions, you know, you got tequila in Mexico, but in Argentina and Chile they drink wine because that's basically what they produce. Or 
even uh, the pisco comes from grapes. So that's something you don't really have in Mexico. So, you know, it's it's different. There are a lot of differences. If you've seen in detail, yes, there's a lot of differences. The reason that I raised the question, because we're going to get into translation now, but I know from personal experience, having lived abroad in Israel for 13 years, growing up in Canada, going back to Canada from Israel after 13 years, and having culture shock, and then moving from Canada to the United States, where I was born, and having culture shock again, that culture is so important in understanding how you are communicating. So that's why I brought it up. Now, my next question is, how complex is Spanish translation, given that individuals are coming from Spain, albeit you said to to a very small extent, but Spain and the Americas? It's it's more complex than everybody thinks it is. Um, You, the first thing you need to know when you want to translate some something to Spanish uh, from English to Spanish is to whom you want to reach out so I remember an example that uh, a friend told me uh, like uh, someone told me that they um, they have this book about computers they translated to Spanish in Spain but they try to sell it to Mexicans in California. Of course, the sales were a disaster because um, Mexicans didn't understand the, the Spanish translation to actual Spanish, like Spanish from Spain. So um, it's important to know that. Like, and in the case, like, if you are trying, if you don't have, like, a specific group of people you want to reach out, which will be localizing, like, the language, uh, we, I, I will say that the best thing is uh, go the other way and try to neutralize the language. So that means that you will have to choose words that, everybody or almost everybody will understand you know like they're the most common way to refer to 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 those things or say things um so that that makes it actually pretty complex and and yeah it's 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 kind of complex that's something that we actually offer uh, to to do, you know, either localization or neutralization of the language. What is neutralization of the language? Neutralization is kind to say, uh, talk in Spanish with words that almost everybody will understand. So, uh, let me, let me give you an example. Let me think pretty quick. Um, Everyone, I'm just guessing. Everybody knows what agua is, but if exactly. you get up, for example, I'll give you an example between Canada and the United States. In mm-hmm. the United States, we use the word soda. In Canada, 
we use the word pop. Mm -hmm. So if you were selling food in Canada, you would say, when you purchase our sandwiches, you're going to get a free can of pop. In the United States, you'd say, when you're purchasing our sandwiches, you get a free can of soda. It's still Mm -hmm. a can of Coke or Pepsi or whatever, but Mm -hmm. it's a different word. Yes, so that's exactly what I I I will I will refer when you try to neutralize the language. You know, like mm-hmm. I was thinking um, some uh, I was thinking about actually uh, beer because uh, beer always has like a slang way to refer in each country, like. Oh. Um, for example, let me give you a quick example. For example, in, in Venezuela and most parts of South America, they call it birra, like the Italian word for beer, birra. Mm-hmm. But uh, in Mexico, they call it chela. So a way to neutralize that will ju- we will be just put the word cerveza instead of chela or birra. Just put cerveza and everybody will understand what you're talking about I was actually going to say that I thought the word for beer was cerveza because that's what I I see used in movies all the time so I had never heard the other words yeah that's the other words are ways to refer like slang Mm -hmm. Um, slang ways to refer in each country Um, and there are a bunch of those like like the boss uh, the boss, um, you they can call it like in Puerto Rico and and in the islands they call it the guagua and the other ones call it the camion. But the camion for Venezuelan is actually a truck. And they call it the micro. In I think it's in Chile and are those example, also in the brand names of the product? Hmm. Are those also the brand names of the products? Brand? No, no. Coke, that, Pepsi. Hmm? I'm sorry, taxi is a taxi, yes. Yeah, no, you can no, take no, a taxi. No, you, didn't, you didn't hear me. I asked the different words for beer. Are those the names of products that have become synonymous with beer? For example, you can go into a restaurant in the United States and order a Coke. And they might yes. bring you a Pepsi. But you're asking for the caramel soft drink by the name Coke because that's become the generic name for that type of beverage. Yeah, it could happen with some things like uh, Q-tips. It's one word that I remember. Uh-huh. Kleenex uh-huh. is another word, word I remember. Uh-huh. Um, so that's something that there's a lot of similarity with in the United States. Yeah, and actually, actually, the the academy, the Spanish academy, who is basically who decides what to include and what's you know officially Spanish and what it's not. Mm-hmm. When they they figure it out that people is using that brand in their common like everyday life. And mm-hmm. everybody understands that they're not referring specific to Q-tips, but you know, just to the the thing. 
um, then they 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 make it a synonym of the original work, and the companies even can lose the copyrights and you know of of the brand. Mm-hmm. I understand. Now, how should a business? I mean, you you've you said that there were millions of Spanish speakers in greater New York City. How sh- ignoring them would be stupid. How should a business owner approach the Spanish-speaking community? Well, the the first thing, and, and that's kind of a, a touchy issue, because what I will say is uh, I, I, I will go back to the basic golden rule, like uh, treat others as you want to be treated. And... So I will do it with respect, like, and in some way that respect is in the quality of what you actually translating or the way you saying things. Um, that that could be, you know, kind of instead of helping the purpose of getting closer and reaching out to them, can even push you away from it from them. Like if you use bad words or, uh, I mean, you use words in the wrong way or don't use the appropriate words or, you know, your translations are full of grammar or or, or orthographic errors or um, it's, that's, that's, you know, just the basic thing. So what I will recommend if you want to, approach to the Hispanics is try to actually do the best to talk the best possible Spanish, you know, something that they can actually say, oh, this is great. This, they're actually doing a big effort to say it in my, world, in, in my language. I was actually thinking of something a little bit different. What about culturally? For example, there are some cultures where if you you would always talk to the owner of the business, you would never talk to a woman about some things or a man about some things. Uh, in Asian culture, Japanese, Korean, Chinese, when you are meeting someone, you hand them your business card with two hands and you make sure that the words are facing. When they give you their business card, you take it with two hands, you and you look at it, and you comment on the card. You say something complimentary about it, and you never write on the business card. Are there any things like that with the Hispanic community? Um, I, I will really not think about about that, you know, like Hispanics in some way are, uh, we are like happy people, aren't <laughs> and and we try not to get uh, very complex about it. Like, like um, let's say, for example, and and I don't want to offend anyone with this that I'm gonna say, but. Like in okay. Venezuela, like in, in many parts of Latin America, you can call uh, uh, someone or uh, Afro-American people, you can 
barely call him, you know, Negro, and and that's basically calling him black. And actually, he will enjoy. You can you can call it, hey, Negrito, and that's like little little black guy, you know, and they're happy. Mm-hmm. If you're fat, they call you, hey, Gordito or Gordo or whatever, and and you mm-hmm. don't get upset. Um, something that here will be kind of, you know, touchy. Um, mm-hmm. So in that way, uh, you can. You, you, I don't remember something like like that right now. Um, okay, not a problem. Yes. Now, basically, that's why that's why I in the in the way they feel respected, and that's why I I I started and my answer with that. In the way we don't feel that you are in the uh, this like unrespecting us, like you being friendly and you trying to reach out in a friendly way, I don't think there should be any problem, you know. Um, I don't right. think so. Now, just a reminder, you're listening to the Voice of Manhattan Business. My guest today is Drubal Hernandez from Sudekia Group, LLC. We are discussing Spanish language and immigration in the U.S. If you have any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 805-243-1301, and please dial 1 so I know you have a question. Please remember, the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. As Drubal, what are the unique concerns of the Spanish-speaking community? Um... I think this this question has some relation with what we were uh talking before, but I will say uh that there uh, I will say about two concerns basically um the first is how how um poor translations are uh kind of jeopardizing the language um uh, and and how you you know, you see it, and then it becomes like normal because everybody sees it like that, and it's not right to say that like that. Um, you you can see it like especially, well, uh, they're they're all over very poor dawn translations. You can see it like in, in the, for example, when you go in the, in the subway, you. And all MTA things. It's obviously they not spending or hiring the best person to do it. No, you see uh, Anglicanization of expressions that instead of actually translate, um, the basic thing you need to think as a translator is that you are not translating words, but you are translating ideas. And sometimes the expressions, you need to catch the idea and try to find the ex- appropriate expression in the language to say that. So we, there are a bunch of expressions in English that doesn't exist in Spanish, and, and same way, you know, like there's a bunch of expressions in Spanish that doesn't doesn't exist in English, and there are some expressions that got there similar ones 
in both languages, but it doesn't need to use the same words um, in both in, in one and the other language. So I will say that that's uh, important. And, and the second thing that I will say it's concerning uh, it's the stereotyping, thinking like uh, oh, all Latinos are A, B, C, and that's it. Um, because you got a, I don't know, Spanish last name. Oh, you should speak Spanish. And probably a guy is three generations and doesn't speak any Spanish at all. And so, you know. Um, I have to admit I'm guilty of that. When I have <laughs> a, a candidate... Uh, and uh, they have a Spanish name, and I ask them, do you speak any foreign languages? And they say, no, I'm always a bit surprised. So, yeah, I can't, uh, yeah, I, I have to confess, uh, I do that as well. I think it's called being human. Now, you already yeah. um, spoke about um, things you should not do when interacting with the Spanish community. So let's move from Spanish-speaking consumers to business owners. What are the predominant business sectors of the Spanish-speaking community? Okay. Um, well, Hispanics business um, represent approximately um, they they give to the to the U.S. economy around six hundred and sixty-one million dollars, uh, and. There are around uh, approximately 4 million of business owned by Hispanics. And the principal uh, or the main business of the pre predominant industries where Hispanics have presence is, uh, first one will be construction um, with 15%. Then uh, you see, uh, I found that administrative support and waste management will be 40%. Wow. And the third will be with 10% healthcare and social assistance. Hmm. The the other 30% uh there's a 30% of other um that includes information, manufacturing, wholesale trade, education, finance, utilities and entertainment. Um so no, <laughs> they basically everywhere. <laughs> yeah, so there is nothing. That's a good thing. I think that's very positive. Now, my last question is what are the main concerns of the Spanish-speaking business community? Okay, I was um, reading about uh, concerns of Hispanic business. I found that the main one is uh, having access to capital and funds. Um, even though there are, um, there are a lot of uh, businesses, Hispanic-owned businesses, uh, it's sometimes hard for them to actually, you know, get a loan or a, a working capital from from banks. And also, um, going a little more political, they also are concerned about how they are, they are actually represented 
in, in Congress and in Washington because uh, they feel in some way that they are underrepresented for the percentage of what they actually re represent for the total population in the U.S., which right now it's, it's above 15%. Um, they, they feel that they are misrepresented in general in, in the government. It sounds to me like there's not a real big difference between the Spanish-speaking community and their concerns and their wants and needs and that of the general population. <laughs> I think it's great. Yes. <laughs> yes, I guess it is like that. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. Asdrubal, I want to thank you profusely. You've provided us with a lot to consider. Before I let you go, can you tell us, please, what the best way is for listeners to get in touch if they want to learn more about your translation services? Sure. Um, well, uh, the, our website is uh, Sudakia. That's S-U-D-A-Q-U-I-A-P-S uh, dot com. That's uh, part of the publishing services. And you can reach out to me by uh, either calling to to our phone, main phone, which is 212-360-6784, or calling to or writing direct me uh, to me at Asrubal, that's A-S-D-R-U-B-A-L, at sudakia.net, at sudakiaps.com. I'm sorry. That's all right. So, well, I I thank you for profusely for coming on. I hope oh, thank you for the opportunity, us. Bruce. Thank you. Well, it's been my pleasure. And as always, a special thank you to our listeners. And I'm certain that as Drewball joins me in wishing everyone a safe and prosperous week. Of course.